Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrino here with our amazing race exit interview and recap. We will have Jessica Lease and Mike Bloom here with us in a couple of moments to talk about everything that went on in this episode. But we are going to kick things off talking with the most recently eliminated team from the amazing race this week. And we are going to bring in the Riley sisters, not the O'Reilly sisters here. And let's uh, patch them in. Good morning, Rachel and Alyssa. Hey, hey how are you? So good. How are you? Oh, good. Good. So I uh, am very excited to uh, get to talk with you both. And first off, I I know that this isn't the circumstances. I know you guys would love to still be in the mix on the race. But Rachel, congratulations on your record setting 32 legs on The Amazing Race. Yay! Thank you. I'm really excited. I can't really can't believe it. I've had... Such an incredible adventure on Amazing Race. I mean, from two seasons with my husband to being with my sister. And who would have thought that I would have gone, like, ziplining on the longest urban zipline in Dubai. I went uh, rappelling in Switzerland on a helicopter ride in Switzerland. Like, I mean, we've done so many cool things. I really, I have never had such an amazing adventure and time as on The Amazing Race. Okay. Uh, let's talk about everything that's been going on for the last couple of weeks on on the race because it's it's been a lot of drama and I, I want to give uh, you both uh, your opportunity to tell your side of the story. So is there anything that you guys want to talk about to set the record straight in terms of how everything went from the discussion about who should be U-turned uh, before we got to the ultimate U-turn vote this week? I feel like it was such a fun switch up on Amazing Race to do that live U-turn vote. I feel like as a viewer, for me, um, and I think Alyssa will agree, it was just it's like a really fun new thing that they did for season 31. And I hope that they continue to do fun things like this in the future. I did think it was Everyone fun TV. Said that they were on the edge of their seats the whole time. That's all I got messages. Like, I was literally on the edge of my seat. Like, what is going to happen? They should have actually stretched the live U-turn out. Just a couple, a couple minutes longer mm-hmm. <laughs> to give the people what they want. Um, so yeah, I thought it was it was super cool. I wish Colin and Christy had been at the end of the vote because I think that they would have thought a little bit more um, strategically yeah. and probably not have. Well, maybe they would have U turned us just because we did U turn them, but I think they probably would have U turned. Um, I don't know somebody who they felt like. Uh, well, no, maybe they probably would have you turned us because they. Okay, well, let me ask this, you, so. you guys, in in terms of that, it, it seemed like from what you were saying at the U turn vote, uh, Rachel, you felt like everybody should have been voting for the strongest teams to to take a team out. You said it was a million dollar decision for for Brett and Chris, but do you guys feel like that maybe you should have been targeting the teams that were seen as weaker if you uh, felt vulnerable that you might get sent into the double U turn? I feel like when the, it comes to like a live open U-turn vote like that, you really don't know what to expect. Um, I think that for us, we always play strategically. And that's the thing about Alyssa and I. Um, we always think game, game, game. And I'll be 100% honest, like Colin and Christy are just such a strong team. They get along so well. Yes. They, everyone loves them. They were socially Dude. such a strong team. And 
you know, you can't compete. I mean, you can, but like Colin is such, you know, an amazing competitor that you're just like, wow, you know, I think that if I have to U-turn someone strategically, I want to, you know, it, you have to think about who is kind of like where the, the blocks are all falling. Um, and so, you know, I think we, Alyssa and I always are just kind of very strategic about everything and thinking about the fun that is going to come up next on Amazing Race and how, you know, we're, we're in Switzerland, so you can't really be upset about it anyways, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but Rachel's like, Alyssa, did you see Colin just like held his breath for like five minutes? Like, she was, yeah. <laughs> like he actually is not a human. Like, so she's like, like, she would always point these things out. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, yeah, there's no way. I mean, unless we were, I don't know, to try to beat Colin in a physical competition, I would definitely need to be training for like five years, not sure. one month. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we were definitely, we always think strategically, like it doesn't matter how much beef we have with someone. We're not, go- if we think we can beat them, we're not going to try to get rid of them. So, okay. How much of a disadvantage was it for you both to have to be the first team to vote in that double U-turn vote? Oh, I feel that, you know, that was our major thing because we didn't really have time to think about it. I think if we would have started a conversation, it would have gotten really interesting. And I think that was something that we thought about after the fact um, that maybe we could have started a conversation because since it was open voting. um, But, you know, we didn't think about it until after the fact. And so strategically, Alyssa and I were just kind of like, um, you know, when you're thinking about uh, strategy, you're not really thinking we didn't think about that there was two teams and that the second lowest numbers at the time, we were just kind of thinking, okay, uh, that, you know, being first in a, something like that is definitely, um, not, you have to think very strategically also because you don't want to, you know, upset your friends and you don't want to, you know, go against the, the grid, I guess. You don't want to go against the group because Mm -hmm. you don't want people to all start turning on you. So we're thinking like, Maybe if we would have been at the end, things might have been a little bit different. But, you know, it's okay because we got to go play with cows. And oh, how cute were those cows? It was so much fun. And we're in Switzerland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I was nervous for you when you were grabbing the cow's tail, Rachel. I was like, go, Rachel. Hey, there, there is nothing we won't do to win. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. She, um, yeah, I was, and we had, we literally grew up in North Carolina and like all of our friends had farms. So I'm like, how do we not know that you get behind the cow? Like, and then I had friends <laughs> the last night, two of them had crossbows. Like one of them had literally has like 50 horses, show horses, shows all over the world and has cows. And they're like, oh, you should have come out to our farm. Anyone could have told you that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, like how, like. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and Rachel had a good view. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Can we just go back to all of the drama with last week? Because I want to give you both the opportunity to share your side of things with when there was all the discussion about the U turn. That uh, I just want to set the record straight that you you guys were trying to help Nicole and Victor last week, right? 
Oh my gosh. The, you know, so what we're thinking about last week that we got to go repelling and we went on a helicopter ride. We're in Switzerland. That was the first oh time God. I've ever been on a helicopter yeah. ride. So that was, it was all so I cared cool. about. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, they try to portray on the show exactly like how situations played out. And I can, I can set the record straight that I, I never apologized to anyone for anything because we never did anything wrong. Like, we literally had the best intentions in all the situations and literally like kinda got kinda got uh bit by it, but that was my first helicopter ride. So we weren't even thinking about it, honestly. Like we really weren't even thinking about it. We were like we were in Switzerland. I get it. Yeah, Switzerland. So yeah, it sounds great. You you literally can't you can't think about like you always try to move forward. Like yeah. we were commuting for a million dollars. Like nobody, nobody cares about like, honestly, I mean, the viewers, you want to give the people what they want. They like the drama. But when you're on the show, you don't want, you don't care about the drama. You're like, I don't want the drama. Like I want to win a million dollars. I want to get my head in the game. And that's, that's where we were. We were just excited to be on a helicopter. Okay. So All right. So uh, in this leg of the race, when you guys lost the clue, do you know, was there going to be any sort of a penalty for uh, finishing the leg and, and not having the clue? That's a we, we knew we we literally that. Well, but that's also the thing. I don't think there's a penalty. Um, I've literally gotten a million messages about that, actually. It's funny. We went back I don't and think got the clue. We did get back. We did go back and get it because we needed to reread the clue. So I don't think that there's a penalty if you don't have the clue because you get clues every single time. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if there's even a penalty, but each, you know, each stop you go to. So like the next one, we would have gotten a clue after finishing both of the detours. So we would have had the next clue. So I don't think that there would be a penalty, but I don't think we needed to go back and get it. But the problem was, was that like we wanted to make sure that we did everything right because, um, you know, we didn't have the clue and, Clearly, uh, you know, watching watching another team complete something complete something isn't just the only way to finish a detour, mm-hmm. especially on the Amazing Race. Yes. Read your clue. Don't lose your don't clue. Don't lose it. Very very resourceful though. We were also a little frazzled from getting you turned, and we were not thinking about the yeah. clue. So yeah, we you definitely always put your clue back in your. I think. Back. Yeah, well, I think what happened was that we went to go, we got to the cow and we went and our headdress, they said we needed to fix it. So um, we went, we left it back at the, uh, at the, the flower station. I guess, I don't know if that's what it's called, but at the flower station, we left our clue because um, I think we were just like not even focusing on anything, but completing the detour. Mm-hmm. How close was it in terms of when the Afghanimals ended up leaving the roadblock to when Rachel hit the apple? Was it was it as close as, as oh, it looked it like? The, yeah, it was actually really close. Um, it was literally like, I mean, we thought we still could have a chance. Like, it was really close. But the thing is, is like, um, you know, with with driving and the boat and everything that came up after that, we didn't ever see the Afghanimals again until we got until we got to the pit stop. So I think that, like, you know, they were really ahead of us. <laughs> but it was really close. I mean, I got it on the next time after, and I didn't even know I got it until like I mm-hmm. saw it in the apple. <laughs> 
Rachel, what's the biggest difference uh, between running the race? You're one of the few people that have ever done this of run, run the race with different people that you've run the race with, with Brendan and you've run the race now with yeah. uh, Alyssa. Well, what, what's the biggest difference between racing with Brendan and Alyssa? Oh, that's a good question. I think, uh, so I think with Alyssa, we had a lot, like so much fun and we're sisters. And so we grew up together and we share these same experiences. Um, and so like, I think that for us, we could kind of joke around more and, and not take it, you know, as seriously, we got to just have like so much fun and be sisters. And we had like, like silly inside jokes and you saw us do like more silly, uh, kind of sistery things. It's it's weird because with the dynamic on the amazing race, I think friends and like siblings typically have it a little bit. The dynamic is less intense. Um, and then with Brendan, you know, you're competing for a million dollars for your family. So it's not just, um, you know, you're not just sisters. We're out here having a good time with, you know, when you're with your husband, you're like, actually like, you know, it's a million dollars on the line that you could actually win. And it's like, that's big stakes. I mean, you can obviously, when you're with your sister, you win the million dollars too. But when you're with your fam, when you're with your husband, you both of that, you guys get that money together. So it's a little, the stakes are a little bit higher. Um, I think it's just like with your spouse, you take things a little more personally. And I know Mm -hmm. everyone that's married can attest to this. Like when you're with your spouse, like literally if Brennan told me to stop crying, I would like, be so mad at him and it would be like, like I'm not going to stop crying. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that 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 carry on for like knows. a week. I mean business. When I say stop yeah, crying, exactly. stop crying. <laughs> Literally, it was like Alyssa can say things and get away with it and I'm just like, oh, okay, you're right. I probably shouldn't do that. But then like with Brendan, you know, I take it so personally. I'm like, oh my God, my husband now, he hates me. And so like you get even, you know, you just take it. It's just different. Every spouse, anyone that's married, all you married folks out there, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes, we, we do. We do. Uh, yeah, right. so you don't cross the wifey. That's for sure. Exactly. Were you surprised about your new name, the O'Reilly sisters, when you watched the episodes? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, you know what's so, so funny? funny. <laughs> so last night, um, my friend, Rowanna McMillan, they literally show horses with the real O'Reilly's. They're actually friends with her. So they're like, oh, do you know them? They're actually our friends. And I'm like, no, but we definitely need to meet. And I'm actually really excited about it. So, yeah, like we actually have mutual friends. So, you know, and hey, I would happily be O'Reilly Auto Parts counterpart. So <laughs> yes. sign me up. Yeah. Sign yeah. me up. I will, I'll be all about those yoga commercials for them. They need... <laughs> They need a cross between Amazing Race, O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm there. Okay. So uh, I, I know you guys have to run and do more interviews. Rachel, is there any chance that we will see you on a 33rd leg of the Amazing Race? Oh, oh that's so sweet. I wish, but you know, yeah, I think that I'm officially retired. You're retiring. Amazing. I had such a fun, yeah, I've had such a fun experience. I've gotten to do so many cool things and Honestly, the amazing race is good and fun. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> so need to leave it at that. Okay. Although, yeah, okay, I think it'd be good. She just, yeah, yeah. I think that I think Rachel. I would. I'd advise Rachel to keep it good and fun, and keep it good and know. fun. All right, and let's put it yeah. out into the universe that then you, when you do run a thirty third leg, you run oh, with God, Adora God. and a, thir- a third, oh, a third different okay. person down way down the okay, road when yeah, we're on an amazing race seventy two. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sounds good. All Amazing right. Race Children Edition. All right. I know you guys got to run. Thank you so much for calling in, okay? Thank you, Rob. All right. Take okay, care. Anytime. We love Rappy. Okay. We love Rob has a podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> what is Rappy? <laughs> Rappy. Okay. Uh, Rachel and Alyssa, happy to uh, get a chance to talk with them on the podcast. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, bring in Jess and Mike in one moment. But first, let me take a moment and thank a sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Those are our friends over at Zip Recruiter. And uh, Zip Recruiter knows that hiring is challenging, but there's one place where you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash survive. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. You're going to be like Sergeant LaBelle right there with the high Hiring crossbow and right there. Uh, Bullseye. You got it. So right now, what you can do is our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash survive. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash survive. ZipRecruiter.com slash survive. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, let's bring in our amazing race panel to start to talk through our episode number eight recap. Of course, our chief amazing race correspondent is back with us, Jessica Least. Jessica, how are you? Oh, 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 were we recording, Rob? I'm sorry, I got distracted. There's a cat here. Yes. <laughs> tell, tell Leo. Super cute. <laughs> tell Leo. All right. And of course, uh, with us, as always, uh, give it up for Mr. Mike Bloom. Hey, Rob. I have been uh, shopping around some mics today, and I feel like I got a good telepathic connection with this one in particular. So hopefully it is not as stubborn if I try to move around the room with it. Okay, good, good. All right, happy to uh, be back with you both to talk about this week on The Amazing Race. And uh, we are going to get into everything from uh, a very strategic leg of the race with uh, this history being made with the U-turn vote uh, and everything that went into uh, this leg. Of course, uh, we heard from the Riley sisters or the O'Reilly sisters at the top of the podcast uh jess any thoughts on the elimination of rachel and Alyssa this week well i guess i'm sorry to see them go because i think like we were saying last week they are brought on to this program for a very specific reason and they are very good at what they bring to the show and the show is going to be a lot less interesting without them yes Mike, do you uh, concur? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to think about this season and look at outside of the first episode. I feel like Rachel and Alyssa were a pretty central focus in each and every one of the subsequent episodes between using the U-turn 
then falling into the back of the pack, then, you know, their one-sided conflict with Corinne and Eliza, then coming in last in Dubai, and then all the other U-turn drama come to a big culmination here with the U-turn vote and ending up on the wrong side of that. It really has been a big Rachel and Alyssa-focused season, which, to your point, Jess, I mean... They, you could argue whether or not they bring the drama or the drama is brought to them, but no matter what, there is drama with them involved. And I'm intrigued to see how the season moves on from this. Not only are we losing another Big Brother team, uh, but we are losing some a team that is not afraid to make waves. And it looks like from next week, we might get a little bit of a scuffle in the airport with these uh, lines being cut. But otherwise, I'll be intrigued to see what a post-Riley season of Amazing Race looks like. Because we haven't really had those in any of the seasons that Rachel's competed in. Yeah. Uh, two uh, finals appearances and uh, again Rachel makes uh, history with 32 legs of the Amazing Race competed in uh, and just that is officially now the record right? That is officially now the record although I have to think the Afghanimals are coming close to beating that record. Yeah. How, how They're weird sitting would at that be, 30 though? right now. They made such a big fanfare about this imagine if her record got supplanted in two episodes from now it, it's such a weird thing so I don't know if it's like a, an unintentional spoiler that the Afghanimals go in the next episode because uh, they're looking pretty likely to go best in the way that they've been racing the past couple legs. But it would just be so weird if they're like, congratulations, Rachel, you set a record. Confetti rains down. And two episodes later, it just gets promptly written out of the record books by two other guys. Like poor Roger Maris with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, both passing him by in one season. Well, you know, the Afghanimals might see that record looming and decide that they need to let that record stand and then they'll just quit the race right on the right on the spot. I've heard that's a thing people do. <laughs> okay. So let's uh get into our U-turn vote talk. We have a little bit of some lead up and we see where Leo and Rachel have or the Afghanimals and Rachel and Alyssa get to have a uh, a chance to try to clear the air, but uh just uh the damage seemingly was done. Yeah, I think it was just mishandled so badly we spent a lot of time last week talking about how this could have been done differently and how it might have they might have been able to patch things up or they might have been able to approach it differently but i think at this point it's just like everybody is tired of this including the viewers (laughs) and maybe it's best that we just let it slide yeah well how could we let it slide mike when we saw chris and brett sliding into their spy shacks <laughs> yeah exactly they should have buried themselves and gone full spy bunker just because these are advanced reality show contestants i mean this was a lot of fun this i feel like is the appeal you get from chris and brett you know showing a side of themselves on the amazing race that they didn't see on survivor which is them being extremely nonchalant you know, it's very blatant. Like, the stretches they were doing, I know Brett has admitted that he's not really that athletic when it comes to the running portion, but they were barely bending over to do any of those stretches. It's clear they just wanted to get within, you know, uh, listening distance to everything. I do want to speak briefly about the Afghanimals before we get back to the comedy of it all, because I know I'm sort of on comedy. board with what you guys said a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think Jamal's a big stick in the mud of the <laughs> Afghanimals. <laughs> I've been saying this for years. I'm, I'm super pro Leo. 
Because the thing is, you have this confessional where Leo's like, well, you know, I felt really disappointed in Rachel, which I thought was a little BS last week or, or cow-ass last week, uh, just because, like, I, I hate when people use that term. It feels very patronizing. But it does seem like he at least has a close relationship with them. And he seems like someone's like, he said, well, you know, it seems like they're ready to, to you know, turn over a new leaf and they're clearly sorry. And Jamal's like, no. I don't trust them. They're playing too many sides. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's the uh, interacting with a toddler every day that has wore down Jamal's uh, sense of BS, but it's just interesting to sort of compare the two. I, I do not think Jamal would be similarly running after a cat like Leo did in the middle of a parking lot. Well, they always, it's the case when you have iconic, amazing race teams, they're usually iconic because of one member of the team. And, you know, there's, there's always the one you remember and the one that's also there because you need to have two people on the team. I think, you know, arguably Colin and Christy were that team once upon a time. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think we've spent a lot of time pointing out, like, which one of these people is the dud and which one is the one that we enjoy. Yeah. I could watch Chris Hammonds uh, try to, like, hide behind things and be inconspicuous all day, though. Yeah. That Milford Man, he is not. Yeah. That's great. He's not a small person. It's it's you got to find a big thing to hide behind when you're Chris Hammonds. And I and I do love him. You know, I, I, Alyssa had some very interesting comments in my interview with her about why she felt Chris and Brett were not fans of her and Rachel. Uh, they did not mention the Instagram followers, as Chris mentioned here when he was talking to the camera. Yes, uh, he felt like that. Uh, Rachel and Alyssa, they are not friends with Chris and Brett because they don't have enough Instagram followers, which I don't think that they cared about. His brand is clearly not watching him hard enough. <laughs> his brand is his bromance. His brand is listening. Yeah, and hiding. <laughs> All right. So Phil opens up the gate and we get to the U-turn vote, which was a very dramatic uh, moment in Amazing Race history. Sometimes just these Amazing Race moments take a long time to become iconic. And other times the mo- there are moments that are instantly iconic. Which one of these was the uh, U-turn vote? So I have to pick an iconic. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. This is this is your detour, Jess. Is it instantly iconic <laughs> or, or, or uh, takes a long time? Yeah, or, or like a slow baked. <laughs> I thought things became instantly iconic on that other show. <laughs> um, I don't know. This was a neat idea in theory, but as with many new twists that Amazing Race is trying out, they totally whiffed the execution. Yeah, I guess there's like a game theory principle in play here if you really think about how they did it but there are so many other ways they could have executed this much better and with more drama and more intrigue and not take up 10 minutes of the episode yeah it was really interesting i think when you like calculate it out i feel like at least a quarter of the episode at least one act break was you know dedicated to this and i guess it makes sense not only is it a big new thing to add into the game but it's also really you know the climax of all the drama that had been built up from the u-turn in the previous episode but i definitely agree with jess it actually reminds me a bit of when they started instituting the head-to-head last season and we sort of spoke about the same thing how this is a cool idea i think you need to tweak some things to better the execution of it we'll see if they take that advice i don't know if they're taking it with the head-to-head but i mean i think the thing the jamal element of this uh, u-turn vote i think was the randomization of the order and the fact that they had to publicly do yeah. it one at a time because man were the Riley sisters yeah. screwed and Chris and Brett benefited hugely just from the randomization of it all. It it was almost it could have been 
perfect. Uh, just write your name on a chalkboard before we start. That's it. it that uh, you know, reveal in whatever order you want. But the name is already locked in, Jess. Well, yeah, and I think. I, I saw a lot of this on Twitter. People were adding us saying, like, why weren't they just all given a whiteboard and write their name and reveal all at once if we need to reveal who voted for whom? But when they did this in Amazing Race Australia, they did it by secret ballot. Mm-hmm. So you would go and, like, place your vote when you when you opened your clue in the morning. It's like, OK, and now choose who you want to U-turn. And that way, it was a little bit less of a pile on. And I think... It would have, I I feel like the random order is also very hinky. I think there's so many, I don't know if this is the case, but you could certainly make a conspiracy theory case for this is why they did the order they did. Mm -hmm. And I think random order is stupid. I think it should be like the first person who checked in at the mat on the last leg, part of your prize is you get to vote first. Mm Mm-hmm. Or you get to be immune from the vote. Yeah. Or if you're going to give people some kind of in-game advantage, like, that's a good one to have. So maybe Tyler and Corey can't be voted for. And P.S., why were why were Tyler and Corey not voted for? Mm. Yeah, are we sure there wasn't an immunity that was given off screen? Because this is ridiculous, considering I really do wonder, you know, we didn't have secret scenes this week, but I really wonder what the other racers felt when they finished their third first place in a row. I believe they've now, speaking of records, tied the records for most career first place finishes ever. They did not get a vote whatsoever. I have to imagine that is like master level social game on their part where people just like them so much and for some reason I guess they've the specter of Colin and Christie have been looming so large in everyone's eyes that they have evaded any sort of targeting. It is astounding just watching it from home, but I guess when your face is in the race, uh, maybe you don't necessarily when your see your face the is in the, the race. Yeah, I didn't realize I unintentionally was a bit of a Phil freestyle rapper there with that rhyme. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we talk through the votes and go through uh, the, the votes that were made? Because I think there was a lot of mistakes in terms of the strategic thinking of the teams. This feels a lot. This is like the, the only time we've ever been able to do like a no We're in my wheelhouse now, and, okay? Yeah, my exactly. Face is on, in the, the race here race. today. And <laughs> Jessa, I, I mentioned this with uh, Rachel and Alyssa, but I have to th- imagine they had to feel like, okay, there's a, there's a good chance we're going to get you turned here. For them, I, I think they, they went about this the wrong way. Instead of try, I guess they were trying to maybe uh, get the ball rolling on Colin and Christy, but I think they have to put a vote on one of the weaker teams uh, because that's who they're going to be going head to head with. Well, sure. That's the JL rules. You never U-turn a team that you think you're going to see again. Yeah. So there's not a lot of, especially at the top of a leg like this, I think there's some merit if there's a stronger team out there in the field behind you and you're at the U-turn board, there's some merit to considering you turning that stronger team. But if you're on a level playing field and you have to decide who to U-turn and you must choose somebody, it behooves you to choose somebody that you think you're going to finish in front of if you U-turn them. Yeah. And on a leg like this, there was no room for error here. So, like, I think... They it was 7 a.m. when they were did the U-turn vote. And I believe at the end of the episode, when Chris and Brett tried to get on the funicular, the funicular didn't open till nine and it wasn't nine yet. So 
wrap your head around that. They had less than two hours to run this entire leg. So, yeah, all things considered, you turn the you turn the weakest team in the field and kick that team off because you're not, you know, if you screw up once, even if you aren't U-turned in a field that tight, in a leg that's, you know, not particularly consequential as far as, like, opportunities to really screw up. And I, I guess some of that is 2020 hindsight, some of that yeah. information they wouldn't have access to. But I think you really have to consider everybody's going to be leaving for the, all of this stuff at the exact same time. There's no person far behind you that you can knock even further behind you. So, yeah, pick the person who's going to who's most likely to finish behind you, especially if you know that that U-turn's coming for you. And, Mike, the one piece mm-hmm. of information that they had was that Victor and Nicole also had a speed bump on this leg of the race. Right. So I know I had spoken about that last week about how, you know, that's another way Victor and Nicole sort of came in with a task against them. So it makes sense to cripple them further, to put them farther back. I And I totally agree that I think that's the logical thing to do. I think, to quote what Brett and Chris will say, I think this is more of a heart decision than a head decision. Because it really, if you look at it from the angle of the Riley sisters are trying to cur favor with the teams that they were trying to make up with, it makes a lot of sense. I think especially with going first, you know, if they're talking with, okay, we're good. Don't worry about what we did with Victor and Nicole. We're going to go for Colin and Christy no matter what. And then they say, okay, Chris and Brett, what does that say to the other teams? And how much does that increase the chances that maybe out of spite, for some reason, they'll throw their votes back onto them? So okay. while I, I agree that I think if you're thinking about it from a race perspective, you know, you would, it would be something to do. But I, I do wonder if they were doing it purely out of the fact that we want to get back into the good graces of these teams that we made had we had made that deal with. So we're going to sort of make our mark here. OK, Mike, that makes sense that why Rachel and Alyssa, and Alyssa would do that. Mm-hmm. That absolutely makes sense. And I think you broke it down really well right there. But why did the Afghanimals do it? And why did Becca and Floyd do it? That. Oh, yeah. That makes no sense. They they should be thinking more strategically. They are good racers. And that's the only thing I can think of is that they're like not wanting to pile on to anybody and they want to make sure that. You know, they're they're not going to vote for somebody who might get angry at them later. But this this is a strategic decision that doesn't make any sense to me. Rachel and Alyssa. Yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. These two, they're amazing racers. They've done this before. They should know better. Yeah. And I thought it was just that they wanted to, as Shane Powers uh, once said, uh, make their votes disappear, Jess. I I just thought that they didn't want any more blood on their hands. And if Colin and Christy were going to potentially go out in this leg, then uh, they could have just, you know, uh, gone in with the mob. Yeah, they could have. But that's again, like that's trying to bring that's trying to bring survivor rules into into amazing race and it doesn't i i guess they must have been thinking in terms of like names that are already out there on the board so they don't have to suggest something new i i I get that Mm -hmm. that's the and and you did say so you said that they should have voted for tyler and Corey to potentially send tyler and Corey to both have mm -hmm. a w turn with colin and christy and hope that one of them can't beat out the teams at the back of the pack 
I think that's one move for sure. Yeah. But I also think it's just like, I think Nicole and Victor are a good target here because they have the speed mm-hmm. bump. Mm-hmm. Because that pushes them further back and it keeps you in the race. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably where Tyler and Corey's heads were at. Mm-hmm. Although I think also their heads were at the part where their vote doesn't necessarily have to count for anything. So they can just throw out a random name and not piss anybody off. I, I guess the fundamental question here with, with this is the object of the race. It, Mike, is it a true like Sandra Diaz twine where it's just, you know, anybody but me, just whatever I have to do to just get to the next leg? Or is my objective to sort of make the big moves and knock out the big players when I can? See, it's interesting because I feel like we've had teams that have won in both types of situations. It's very clear with these two teams, to Jess's point, that they went for the latter. I think Becca even said right there, right then, we want to win the amazing race. We don't know if we can win against them. So it's less about, you know, looking inherently within yourself and saying, like, okay, I just want to survive until the next round. Let me pick up a weaker team, something that, like, Chris and Brett might have done with their decision. Instead, they were sort of looking ahead, and maybe it's because they are former racers, so they have that confidence in their abilities where they're already seeing a place for themselves in the finale to say, oh, yeah, we know we're going to be there, so let's sort of see if we can cherry pick. We have the opportunity to choose who we want to sit next to. I'm so intrigued to find out, again, just how large Colin and Christie's image sort of loomed over them because, I, you know, we've seen this before. I feel like actually in both the Afghanimals and Team Fun seasons, you've had these instances where a group of teams just have sort of formed this weird witch hunt-esque pact against this one team. This happened to Rachel in season 24. You know, Dave O'Leary hates the Brenchels, uh, you know, and so it's odd how much that sort of mob mentality might cloud the sense of judgment where, sure, you know, will you turn one of the strongest teams in the race, even though they have a very good chance of not only surviving it, but also passing us later in the lake? Let's get back to Brett and Chris, who end up being, uh, what, what was it at the, uh, at the, they're on the button, Jess? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I assume that you were uh, a, a poker player. Why would you assume that, I just Rob? feel like you're good at everything. You, got, you have a good poker <laughs> yeah, face. I, I feel like that, that you're uh, such a, a knowledgeable expert on most things. I just assume that you uh, played cards also. So here they are. They get to move last, and they, they have a decision, basically. Uh, they could... Put the double U-turn vote on uh, Rachel and Alyssa or Nicole and Victor. And what did you think of this decision? Um, I think, I don't know. It, it's fine. It makes sense given the interactions they've had with them. And I think for Chris and Brett, it is the smart move because look at the rest of the field and you know, they're if they're thinking about like the next leg and the leg after that, they need to last. They need to survive. And if you U-turn Rachel and Alyssa, it's a pretty good bet, especially if Colin and Christie is the other team getting U-turned. It's a pretty good bet that Rachel and Alyssa are going to have an uphill climb ahead of them and are probably getting served death sentence right there. So maybe they're thinking, let's get out the one team that is demonstrably weaker than we are. Mm-hmm. And then they had a great leg. Mm-hmm. So. There's more to Chris and Brett than originally we may have thought, but they haven't been performing terribly well up to up to now. Okay. To be fair, Jess, they all had an uphill climb at the <laughs> lake, literally. So they are in um, the Alps. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
So I would say that I agree that I think it was a good move for Brett and Chris, but almost from the edit we were being given, it was for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, from a strategic perspective, like Jess said, it was a good movement, a, a moment of, of self-sustaining, of saying, all right, look, I know this is one, we're only limiting one team this leg, even though there's a double U-turn, I just want to stay ahead of one team. I know I can do that with Rachel and Alyssa. The moment that, you know, Rachel sort of speaks out against being U-turned by being like a million dollars, what the heck are you guys doing? That's when you sort of say, okay, I know I U-turned the right team because of the reaction that they had. The reasoning that they gave, and I'd like to believe that these are two, you know, very smart strategic guys that would have done it for the reasons that we provided. I don't know how I feel about them providing the reason that they don't talk to us that much. That's why I'm going to U-turn them. Hmm. That just sounds... That sounds personally kind of petty and i'm not entirely sure if i buy that logic well it could just be that they this is the move they're gonna make anyway and they might as well like twist the knife a little bit yeah i mean i can understand why they would give the logic to the other teams i mean that's why tyler and Corey were like victor and nicole because they finished last in the last leg so we want to be fair but i kind of wanted you know uh i know this has been talked about a lot like the big brother podcast for instance like you know sell a bill of goods in the house but in the diary room tell us the truth I don't know if we were getting all the the whole truth in the confessionals of them going on about how, you know, we don't know anything about Rachel and Alyssa except for the fact that they wear a bunch of fake eyelashes. <laughs> like, I, I'd assume there is strategy behind it. It just was weird that they said, you know, hey, we're going to we're going to, you know, target them socially and not necessarily strategically. here. Mm-hmm. In fairness that uh, Rachel, I think, did throw out Chris and Brett for uh, being a team to be U-turn, at least in the conversation with the Afghanimals and Team Fun. So uh, that uh, I think that they also uh, just, you know, uh, looked at them as another team that was not necessarily aligned with them. And you can look at the strategy as um for each one of these people, but I think for everybody, there's probably a little bit of strategy and also a little bit of personal feeling mm-hmm. and a little bit of who's going to be a more pleasant person to be on this TV show with for the next week and a half. Okay. All right. Can we talk about the Victor and Nicole thing for a second? Because that, oh, yeah. that was a little interesting yeah. in itself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike, talk us through that. Set, set that up. So here's what I think happened. So Victor, Victor and Nicole are very torn as to who they they should vote for. They're only the second team to go, so you know, and they and Rachel and Alyssa didn't vote for them, so they can't just send it back to them. Uh, so Victor I mean, they wants could. to. They could. Uh, Victor suggests the Afghanimals. Nicole wants to go against Rachel and Alyssa. Makes sense based on the argument they had at the pit stop last time. Nicole tries this technique, which took me the second time around to really understand what yeah. she was doing, where. She whispered into Victor's ear, Rachel and Alyssa. Then to everyone else, she predicts, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Ooh, oh, this is really tough. Yeah. Victor. She didn't want to say it. But Victor takes that sincerely and says, oh, OK, she really isn't sure about Rachel and Alyssa. So he goes with his gut and says the Afghanimals. Cue, you know, the next task of frustration with them sort of venting to each other. But I'm pretty sure that's happening. I think Nicole was trying to be a bit duplicitous to try to have her cake and eat it too. And as a result, Victor sort of threw the cake away and, and, and bought a bunch of ice cream and said, okay, we're going to have ice cream now. I hope you didn't let, want that cake. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, that's a good call. Uh, I think that she, that, you know, this is all like part of the same big brother universe. And maybe uh, Nicole doesn't want to be seen as the person who's taking the shot on Rachel. And then uh, she wanted Victor to say it and then crossed up Victor. 
This is so big brothery. It's it's really you would think that <laughs> very topaz something. Yeah. This is yeah, this is something I feel like they would have seen before in each other mm-hmm. having played an entire summer of Big Brother with each other. It's weird that they don't have their signals a little bit more in line. Mm-hmm. It's very um Rob, it's very like Vanessa Rousseau of like I need a name and I need you to say the name so that I have the evidence game theoretically speaking to, you know, nominate that person. Mm-hmm. And it was trying to think, you know, fourth dimensionally and as a result they sort of got their wires crossed. And that all came out well in the end, you know, the Afghanimals did sort of swear vengeance in their confessionals, but I guess on that note do we think this is the last U-turn of the season? Could we go back to a regular U-turn after this big, you know, event that was the U-turn vote? Well, aren't we in the place now where if it's the last something of the season, Phil's just going to announce it to everybody six times? Because <laughs> true. we're not having any more non-elimination legs, apparently. Yeah. And it's like, Phil, you used to thrive on suspense. <laughs> like, maybe let people have a little hope that there might be a non-elimination leg at this point. If, if every elimination for the rest of the game is just people, like, trudging up to the mat, like, yeah, we're out, I know. That's Phil's fault. So, yeah. I would guess we're getting at least one more. Jesse, yeah, is it possible that we don't have any more non-elimination legs, but we have a, hey, you're still racing? You know, he could be tricky like that. Yes, I, I, don't think I, I didn't say, I wasn't going to say we're still racing. Ah, uh, yes, the Simon Says approach to the Amazing Race. Yes. <laughs> God. Yes. So we could have uh. two part legs, but not necessarily a non-elimination leg. Because, Mike, what does the schedule say? Is that is that right? So I don't think that's possible. I think we're going to stick to Phil's word here, because I know that I sort of looked at the listings to prepare for what's ahead of us. I know we did some speculation of that last week. So we're down to six teams after this week. Next week's episode, we're going down from 6 to 5. The week after, it's 5 to 4. And apparently, June 26th is going to be a two-hour finale where I'm assuming we're going to have our final four leg where our fourth-place team goes home and then our final three racing for the million dollars. So maybe if this was happened earlier on in the season, we could have seen a, a keep-on racing leg. But I really think we're going to get four tri- or three tried-and-true elimination legs in the next three weeks along with you know a two-hour finale. Okay. Let's talk about our detour now. And of course, we're going to see Rachel and Alyssa and Colin and Christy have to do uh, both sides of it. And we had to, uh, was it uh, Make Hay or Cow Festival? Did I have that right? Yeah, I don't understand how those things go together. Like, they're really phoning in this leg. (laughs) They didn't even like, you know, they have to lead a cow down a path. Could it be Make Hay or Make Way? (laughs) That's good. And that's coming from... W-H-E-Y? Sure, why not? <laughs> and that's coming from Make Haymaker Hattie, so you yes. know that yeah. you know she's, well, I'm she's saying being... <laughs> you're putting you're putting you're putting flowers on a cow, so maybe you're doing the haymaker or you're going full bloom. Mm, Ooh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> okay. Victor and Nicole, meanwhile, have to do a speed bump, Mike. Uh, they have to fold a, a number of flags. Uh, where does this rate on the scale of speed bumps? I mean, I guess if we'll compare it to packing a cooler full of snowballs and doing laundry. Uh, I mean, this is just, I guess it still falls in the, they're all in the same category of like time consuming household chores. It really just feels like they were cleaning up for the crew. I'm like, all right, we set up this conference hall, 
please clean up after us, fold up the chairs, put the flags away, sweep up the crumbs, etc. Because this once again seemed like nothing that necessarily required any arduous amount of skill, even though it, they did sort of take the time to uh, talk through their differences and bond a bit and come back together as the great Victor and Nicole that they are. Uh, this was much to do about nothing in terms of folding the 26 flags. Yes, just uh, as they folded the flags, they were able to also uh, fold up their differences. Yeah, do you think maybe the speed bump even helped them get ahead? Like, that would be ironic, right? They spend some time working out their differences because they're Mm -hmm. forced into these close quarters with each other, and then it enables them to race really well for the rest of the race. Yeah, Uh, perhaps, perhaps. uh, Yeah, go fold, lose some clothes before you go, and uh, they did the uh, lead the cow down the path, so uh, maybe before you handle the dangerous livestock. It's interesting. I guess speed bumps are like the bottle episode of The Amazing Race then, where it sort of forces people in a confined space. You know, they can't go anywhere for a while, and then they learn more about each other before they leave. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. So uh, we see Rachel and Alyssa and Colin Christie working on the hat for the cow. Just uh, not that exciting. Not particularly. And I... It was one of those ones, like, you know, whenever we have one of these tasks that you have to judge on detail, it's all over the map based on, uh, like, whether you're going to do, or either you're going to be there all day because you've got, like, one yellow flower or there should be a pink flower, or whether they're just going to wave you through three seconds later, because this one sure felt like nobody was really making an effort. It's like, we're just going to throw these flowers together and stick some flags on it, and the flags don't even have to be facing the right way. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very nervous, Mike, for Rachel as uh, her method of uh, getting the cow to go where she wanted. I feel like she was putting her hands close to places where they shouldn't be on the cow. I mean, listen, she's a mother. I think she's had her hands in very similar types of things, albeit in a smaller volume. Uh, But she figured out a steering system for Oliver, the cow, which we can't say that Colin and Chrissy, who have some more bovine experience, were able to figure out. Yes. Uh, Jess, were you excited to see Colin reunited with a uh, member from the uh, bovine world? Well... I think that's probably the whole reason that this task was here. Mm -hmm. And maybe the whole reason that, you know, the whole reason they're even in Switzerland in the first place, they're like, well, where do they have things that look like oxen? We can't go directly back to the Philippines right now. It's a bad idea. So let's just go someplace safe where there's an animal that might piss Colin off. And I thought Mike had the best tweet about this of the whole night. Mike Bloom? Yes, Mike Bloom, our very own Mike Bloom. What? Had the tweet about, say the line, Colin, say the line. And then it had Bart Simpson saying, my ox is broken. This is bullshit. (laughs) And then everybody going wild. I mean, I think that's on behalf of the producers and the fan base as well. I know a couple people that were like, all right, come on. You're going to lose it now. He's going to blow his top. And he did. he, He let out, you know, the second half of that line before the commercial break. Though, I guess putting on our production hats a bit. Do we think this was a Frankenbite? Do we think that he really said that in the moment? Mm. He probably said it in confessional after a lot of prodding. <laughs> like cattle as much prodding. prodding as, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a lot of cattle prodding. Um, I, I would imagine, I, I think we did see his lips move in sync with what that would have been. So I'm going to say, okay, but I think he was probably half joking. I think he was 
saying it because he knew it was expected of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all these people are reality veterans, even if it has been a few years in Colin's case. But he did seem like he was getting a little bit upset and I was getting mm. excited, but he didn't get that upset. Not that upset. It wasn't that. It wasn't that uh, truculent of a cow. <laughs> yeah, it was not the Rupert's elephant of cows. <laughs> Come on. I love you. I love you, I love- but I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're about the other. I hate you. I hate you. But I love you. Please, baby, please. Do we I need to go to, to the festival. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If Rupert would have pulled the elephant by its tail, maybe that would have helped him. I, I don't know I mean, how he would have reached that, yeah. but <laughs> this it would have been Rupert. fun to watch. The man could do anything. Okay. Meanwhile, over at Make Hay, the teams had to uh, cut grass with a scythe. Do I have that right, Mike? Yes, the Grim Reaper way. Who knew the Swiss were so morbid? Yes. Just, I, I love the backstory that we get about Becca, about how she also was a landscaper. I, I feel like that the Becca life story would be a fascinating uh, movie to follow. Like, how, how did this woman become the two-time amazing race landscaper slash rock climber slash beatboxer. Uh, I'm fascinated. Well, you know, I I love Becca. She's got such great energy and she's... I I feel like she's one of these people that has a story to go with everything Mm -hmm. they're going to do on this race. And she Mm. reminds me a lot of... I did spend a summer working in a national park and... There were a lot of these types of people that just sort of very free spirited who had their passion and then just sort of worked random jobs to fuel their passion, whether it was skiing or hiking or rock climbing. And I think Becca may have a story like that where she's a rock climbing instructor by trade. But, you know, in the off season, you take all kinds of work. And so that gives you a wealth of experience that you can then bring to the race. And it certainly seems to have paid dividends for. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. The Becca draws story starring Matthew Perry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike, uh, we saw some drama surrounding Rachel and Alyssa uh, ended up leaving their clue behind uh, after completing the first task. When they were on their way to the second task, they realized uh, they did not have the clue. And uh, there was uh, some talk about what, what should they do? Did you talk to Alyssa at all about this today? I did not, but you know what? This is a perfect timing, Jess, if you don't mind, if we talk a little bit Amazing Race 101 a bit early in our podcast. Yes, please. Amazing Race 101. Good job, George. Let's, Let's talk about clues here, because I think some people were confused about, oh, Rachel and Alyssa left their clue behind. Should they get a penalty for that? And I believe the rules of the Amazing Race say, you know what, you can read your clue and you can throw it in the garbage for all we care. What you can't do is just bypass a clue completely. Mm -hmm. There have been many an instance where teams have actually gone to the pit stop. Phil has said, no, 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 you have to turn around, go back and find that clue box. And you have to make sure that you you have touched and interacted with each and every clue. Otherwise, you know, you can do whatever you want without clue in hand. There was even a point, I believe, in the season two finale, the very last leg, where one team lost their clue 
had no idea where they were going, and in a very similar manner to Rachel and Alyssa, tried to ask another team where they were going and were similarly denied. It turns <laughs> out that they were just they were flying out of Alaska, so you know they weren't exactly uh, going to be lost in the wilderness or anything. But yeah, so the the rule, just so we know, in terms of clues, you can read it and leave it behind all you want to. And Rachel and Alyssa didn't have the chance to go back to the to the clue they chose not to, just because they mm-hmm. knew they were in last place. If they had just skipped getting the clue whatsoever, then they would have been penalized for it. Okay. Yeah, that, that's my understanding of it as yeah. well. And we can certainly, um, season 11, we had Dustin and Candace end up accidentally doing half of a detour and winding up at the pit stop. And Phil saying, well, how did you know to do the detour? And they're like, we just followed the flags. Then they had to go back and find that clue box. Um, so, yeah, if as long as you've ripped the clue open, they don't really care what you do with it afterwards. Although I believe... I have heard at the end of the leg, they have to turn in all of their clues and et cetera, so that they aren't just leaving them lying around for people on reality fan forum to find. Yeah. I asked Rachel and Alyssa about this and uh, they said it was a good question. They didn't seem to know for sure, but they were under the impression that there was not going to be a penalty for losing the clue. Yeah. And it's true. They might not have given it to them anyway, if they were already in last place, Mm -hmm. but I don't believe that's the case. Plus, like, you know, I I think, again, they were super neck and neck with Colin and Chris, and they were ahead at that point. They probably figured, like, why waste time and have to go back to that table? And for what it's worth, they pretty much, you know, they had to let Colin and Christy pass them just so they could figure out what they were doing, even though they did not seem on the Becca side of the spectrum in terms of landscape work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Anything else from either side of the detour, Jess? I don't think so. I think we can move on to the roadblock. Okay. Uh, Let's move on to the roadblock. Very dangerous uh, episode of The Amazing Race between the scythe and the crossbow. Uh, This was uh, straight out of the uh, Joffrey playbook, Mike. Yeah, I mean, we know the Swiss are known for their weaponry, so I I think it makes sense that we brandish it. Yeah. Okay. We're shoot the apple off of the target and uh, we're going to have this dummy that seemed like that uh, part of the problem here was it was hard to put the dummy back together, Mike. I mean, this is realistic, right? If you shoot someone in the head, their arms fall off (laughs) the way the human body is naturally constructed, I assume. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jess, uh, a bit of a a five-hole challenge, uh, potentially, for Sergeant LaBelle. Yeah, although he does rightly point out that a that a gun is very different from a crossbow. And I think you and I, Rob, we know this because we watch a lot of Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, we had a, a first round, like, uh, the first group that was there, it was, uh, Tyler and Becca and Brett working together. And, uh, there was a, a lot of teamwork, like a firing squad line, lining up, Jess. Yeah, it was, it was a little creepy. Um, I did enjoy, uh, Becca going to choose her guide and calling him a Pokemon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Mike, uh, Becca seemed to be talking a lot about uh, monkey poop. Yeah, I feel like Becca sort of is doing the basic cable version of the Amazing Race where there's supposed to be swears, but instead she like ADRs in random words to fill in her, you know, fill in the mouth movement. So she's like, you monkey pooper, you pooper groupal. I think she might be jockeying for like a kids show position. Maybe she still wants to be the new Steve on Blue's Clues. So she's I think like, it's been recast. 
Yeah, well, I think he just got announced, so uh, unfortunately for Becca. Uh, but I, I think, you know, she didn't want to maybe muddy those waters, and so she stuck with the the Battlestar Galactica version, I guess, of uh, obscenities yelled at this scarecrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Mike, th- this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also I, I want to point out that I was watching this amazing race William Tell homage, and I'm like, they've been to Switzerland so many times. How is it that they've never gone to the William Tell well up to this point? And so then I had to go look it up, and it turns out that, in fact, the last time we saw the Afghanimals in Amazing Race 24, there was a task where they had to meet a William Tell impersonator. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is recycling <laughs> concepts, if not the actual task, because I'm pretty sure we've never seen them have to like shoot a guy into pieces and then put him back together. <laughs> this That's is new. that is probably is that the worst job ever? William Tell impersonator? Because it's just like like I think William Tell's son's impersonator. I think is the uh, <laughs> worst job. <laughs> That's true. There's there's always someone below you, but it's just such a random. What would you put on your resume? Like, well, I impersonated the great. 18th century uh, legend William Tell for a number of years, mm-hmm. and I'd love to work for your company. Yeah. Well, look, that's marksmanship, that's improvisational skills, that's agricultural knowledge, that's being able to care for your children. You can spin this a lot of ways. Okay, so Brett LaBelle, uh, he ends up getting this, I think, on the, the second shot. Good on, good on Brett. And him and Chris are off to potentially, Mike, their first, first place finish on the race. Yeah, this was crazy. I mean, if you looked at Nicole and Victor, Rachel and Alyssa, and Brett and Chris before this leg, and you said which non-amazing race team is going to be the first one to get a first place victory, I would not lie and say that Brett and Chris would probably rank third out of third, but you know, they had a, a strong move in the U-turn vote. They happened to run a couple of, you know, they had a strong physically-based detour task. They had something that was right in Sarge's wheelhouse. And so here they are, off to the pit stop, and nothing will go wrong on their way to the mat gear. I know. I was feeling really good because then Brett LaBelle, or the Chris was like, hey, I'm a boat guy. Yeah, that's true. And that was interesting as well. Did they have to navigate their own boats to get to whatever that pit stop was? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. that's not hard. That's not hard. Uh, you could you could drive a boat like that. Like they teach five year olds how to drive boats like that. <laughs> they do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't learn how to drive a boat like that when you were five. I did not. Or thirty five. Okay. Yeah. Um, not yet, at least. <laughs> but all right, Brett and Chris are off. Uh, Tyler and Corey are not going to be that far behind them, and we uh, get a little bit of a uh, boat race coming for the first leg. And Jess, for the second week in a row, a funicular uh, comes into play on the Amazing Race. Well, I think, again, if you're in a mountainous area, funiculars are going to happen, and especially on The Amazing Race, because I've never known a show that loves funiculars more than this than this one does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if Brett yeah. called it the right thing. Uh, no, I think, he, I think he went with a more... He very much O'Reilly sistered mm-hmm. it, and I think uh, went with the more fun term, the funtacular, I believe he said, but... That yeah, sounds totally, better. I'm totally with you, Jess. I think big funiculars is in the pocket of the Amazing Race, big considering funicular. how much they mentioned it. <laughs> I wish that was my nickname. <laughs> big funicular. <laughs> you can't nickname yourself, Rob. I, I didn't say I was going to have that as my nickname. I just said I wish that it was. All right, yeah, BF. You- <laughs> yeah. 
So you're that, hinting around. That's almost the same thing. I guess so. Okay. Uh, the other teams are going to start to show up to uh, take their shot with the crossbow. And then uh, imagine this, Mike. The Afghanimals ended up getting lost. Uh, Jamal behind the wheel. Oh, God. What has happened to this team? <laughs> two first place victories in the first two legs. And, you know, they had a couple of. They're not letting Leo showing. do enough stuff. I guess not. Maybe he's just too distracted. Maybe he was too focused on the cat that he wasn't reading the map. But seriously, it's been like night and day with these guys. They even say, like, we go from worst to first to worst to first. Uh, It's so interesting just comparing how they were at the beginning with how they were right now, considering that they are three-time racers. They are the most experienced out of any of these people left in the competition, and they are still floundering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, poor, poor uh, Afghanimals, poor Jamal. Uh, they ended up just uh, getting lost again. They and they end up somehow being the last team to arrive to the roadblock. Jess, uh, that must have been some epic getting lost that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, I'm, I'm afraid to say anything negative about these guys, Rob, because if I just pile on to what you're doing, they're going to get to their exit interview, and like Jamal's just going to refuse to talk to you altogether. Oh no! But Leo, we've been very pro Leo. I, I know you're pro Leo, but I think I think you're hurting Jamal's feelings. Mm, yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, I hope because I called him a dud. So yeah. Oh, you're trying to blame me? Blame Big Fernicular? Yeah. It's. <laughs> it, he clearly, clearly, Amazing Race is not the only ones in the pocket of Big Fernicular here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So teams are working on it. Colin Christie are feeling confident, Mike, uh, that even though Colin does not shoot a crossbow, he uh, is uh, a marksman, apparently. Yeah, I, I'd much rather have Amazing Race 31 Colin behind a crossbow than Amazing Race 5 Colin. I cannot imagine... <laughs> Don't the give him weapons. <laughs> yeah, after that yield in the Philippines, if there was a crossbow lying right next to Colin, I do not know how that season would have ended, personally, but... For what it's worth, I mean, this was something that, you know, let them pass a bunch of teams in the process and come into this third place finish, which even Phil remarks is pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, I, I know how that season would have ended. It would have ended with a large barbecue and everybody would have been eating ox. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's true, actually. It would have everyone, you know, bygones would have been bygones. Uh, Charlotte would have just dug her face into a nice big ox oh. rib and everyone would have, would have laughed, cut to credits. <laughs> so, Jess, at one point, Colin blamed his inaccuracy on the gravitational pull from the lake. Uh, is that a Colin joke or is that a serious science fact? I, I'm not sure. I, Colin may have believed it was maybe it had something to do with the energy of the lake and the aura rather than the gravity. Uh, but I don't think unless it's like one of those things like how when you go to Coors Field, you can hit a home run because the air is thinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe he's thinking it's like that. But this science does not really check out for me. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Colby Donaldson, host of Top Shot, is going to sign off on that. One. Yeah, because based on my limited understanding of physics, I believe that gravity pulls you, you know, towards the center of the Earth, not towards like if you go near a body of water, right? <laughs> Is that why everyone's on the beach at the summer is because the lake is pulling everyone there? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about physics. I know the moon has gravity and, and, that, and, that, and that ends up, uh, you know, having to do with the tide and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. I don't know about do lakes pull uh, uh, things uh, that travel in the air. 
projectiles. I feel like I feel like there's a beer commercial to be had about this, where the power of the lake compels you to go like crack open a cold one. But <laughs> the power of lake compels you. The power of lake compels you. Okay. Exactly. All right. So. Uh, eventually more and more teams are going to be getting it. It comes down to that. It is going to be, uh, Rachel and, uh, the Afghanimals, Rachel versus Jamal. Yeah. Jamal is able to, uh, recoup on his driving errors before by nailing that apple. And he swears that they're not going to make this mistake again. Uh, we shall see. I think they have, they have a bit of an uphill climb again, not literally, but figuratively in the upcoming legs, but they're able to survive here and eliminate, you know, their biffles from outside of the season, even if they are sort of have mixed emotions towards them at the moment. Yeah. Jess, uh, back on the boats, uh, it was Tyler and Corey versus Brett and Chris. And Brett and Chris took a, a calculated risk to uh, try to go for the uh, funicular and they came up short. Now, this is weird to me. And I hope that we get some answers from somebody at some point because... It sure seemed like the sign that they ran into looked a lot like the kind of sign that they put at a detour or at any other. Like, this looked race-placed, if you'll pardon the rhyme. And so it looked like maybe the show was banking on people wanting to take the funicular. And that seemed very weird to me when the funicular was not even open because usually when something is not open on this show that's also a contrivance of production so was it like they were just like putting a dead end in there just to like mess with people mm-hmm. like the amazing race they rented out the funicular for the day is what you're saying and then but then just like as a wrinkle they had made a sign so you couldn't uh, go up it until 10 yeah yeah you like you you they they rent out the funicular for the day and then they just leave it shut down. And so if you go that way, it's like, ah, 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 you chose poorly. You have to run up the mountain now. Do they do that kind of stuff? They've never done that kind of stuff, <laughs> but they have did a lot of stuff this episode that yeah, they've I never guess done so. before. Yeah, I don't That'd know. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was uh, interesting thinking on their part where Chris and Brett thought, okay, this is a big ass hill. There's no way we can beat these guys up the hill. Let's make a decision to at least try to hedge our bets by taking this funicular but i guess they were almost cursed by how quickly they did the leg ironically enough like if this race had happened an hour later it could have been a lot closer but because they had blazed through it so quickly they didn't have time to take the funicular properly and as a result they got passed yeah, i really felt bad for chris and brett i i don't know how if, uh how many first leg uh first place legs they're gonna get on the race and this was i think this was their chance this was their chance jess yeah it was their chance, and they... God, Tyler you know, and Corey, you could let them have one first-place leg. I, You know, that's that's not... Nobody on, nobody on a game show is in the business of just letting someone win because they feel bad for mm. them. That's not a thing that happens, Rob. Uh, and Tyler and Corey this ran was a very their good moment. leg. I, I know, I know it was their moment, but they... They failed to seize it because they thought they were going to get to take the easy way up. And the thing I wonder is later on, as teams were trickling in towards the end, like, would Rachel and Alyssa have been allowed to take the funicular up? Like at the point where it didn't matter. But maybe it's like, oh, they waited around long enough and now the funicular is open so you can take it up. Would they have beaten Leo and Jamal? 
Um, maybe they would have beaten Leo and Jamal, or maybe at the end they're just like, well, they're last place. It doesn't matter anyway. Go ahead and take the funicular. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that would probably save the poor cameraman and sound people's feet by just taking the funicular at the the very end. I, I feel bad for Brent and Chris as well, because, again, this was, like, our first real chance of a non-amazing race team coming in first place. But for what it's worth, Tyler and Corey played a very subdued but very solid race this leg, as per usual. I'm still astounded they did not get votes against them, considering what they just did. And Brent and Chris were happy about being in second. I think that they have fully overcome the doldrums that they were in the first couple of legs when they were, you know, uh, starting to get their sea legs. And uh, I'm happy with what they've been doing, both, you know, entertainment-wise and race-wise, even if they didn't get the gold here. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Brett and Chris end up with the silver. They end up in second place. Just about Colin and Christy, despite the U-turn, end up in third place on the leg. Um, yeah, that was amazing. That was an amazing performance mm-hmm. on their behalf. Yeah. Um, I was... I, I've seen teams... Like, I've seen teams get U-turned and go from, like, last to first. We've seen it in the past. But this was this was a good performance, and especially in a leg that, again, had no room for error. Mm-hmm. I was I was impressed with this. Very impressive. Uh, and then we had... What was it? Uh, Victor and Nicole were four... Team Fun. Oh, team Fun, and then Victor and Nicole, and then Afghanimals, and versus uh, the O'Reillys, and the Afghanimals are going to make it. And Rachel and Alyssa will be eliminated. Yeah, and I, this is tough on Rachel. And Alyssa talked with me a, a bit about this in her interview with me. And it's understandable given, you know, how much. I mean,. CBS reality shows have been such a big part of Rachel's life. You know, it's how she met her husband. Uh, you know, it's it, who she had her child with. You know, she won a, she won a, a she won fifty five hundred thousand dollars on a season that she's considered like a, a huge character, and she's ran around the world almost three times. It's something that's been a huge part of her life for the past, you know, almost ten years, and she's never been eliminated before. As crazy as it is to say. So we can understand why on her face she is is just disappointment and embarrassment that, you know, she feels like the CBS reality shows are her family and she sort of like let her family down in a strange way. But I thought it was a nice microcosm of their relationship that Alyssa in her Zen Alyssa fashion, much like she did in Dubai when they were going to the pit stop, cheers her up immediately and is able to get her to uh, look on the bright side of things. My heart did go out for them in that moment because I can understand how pained Rachel was, but they emerged on the other side, smiling and having no regrets about their experience. So that's all you can sort of hope for in, in getting eliminated from the race. Yeah, they seemed uh, in pretty good spirits uh, in their final words, Jess. Yeah, I I appreciated the I the somewhat upbeat tone that they took there, and I thought there was a lot of gratitude that came through, and that felt very genuine to me. Okay. Anything else from the episode proper, Mike, before we start to look at some questions? No, I don't have anything. Let's uh, load up the crossbow of questions and promptly take a shot here. All right. Before we get into the questions, I want to take a moment and thank another sponsor. And those are our friends over at the Hunt a 
killer game. And if you love the thrill of an escape room, looking for clues and solving puzzles, especially if you don't lose the clue, uh, well, now you can bring the mystery home because that's where Hunt a Killer comes in, your new favorite obsession. Hunt a Killer is a monthly subscription game where you become a detective immersed in a murder mystery. Uh, I won't spoil if the murder weapon is a crossbow or not, but each month you'll receive crime scene photos, evidence, motive, and suspect information that you'll need to solve a crime. Mike, who do you think would be better at solving the crime, uh, Leo or Jamal? I mean, Jamal is sort of like by the books. You know, he's very much like the Danny Glover, and I think that Leo's the Mel Gibson, you know, more of the renegade off the handle guy. Do you want to be the Mel Gibson? I don't think you want to be the Mel Gibson. Uh, I don't think you want to be the Mel Gibson, no. And if you think it's going to be easy, think again. You'll be racking your brain to solve the mystery and anxiously awaiting your next box of clues. Hunt a Killer is perfect to play solo during date night or with the friends for game night so you can swap theories. Over 60,000 people have joined the Hunt a Killer online community and they have over a thousand five-star customer reviews. I've gotten to play the Hunt a Killer game. It's very fun. They send you a box with all of the props and everything that you use and you get to hold things in your hand and investigate and I know that even the great uh, Simone Nguyen just got it for her birthday from her husband Steve so it's a hit for everybody who's playing Hunt a Killer right now just for our listeners you can go to huntakiller.com slash Rob for 20% off your first box they only accept 200 members per day so hurry up and take advantage of the offer that's at huntakiller.com slash Rob for 20 20% off your first box, huntakiller.com slash Rob. See if you have what it takes to get in the mind of a serial killer and solve the mystery. Okay. Jess, where are we going to start with our questions? Um, I thought we might do a little more Amazing Race 101 if it's Ooh, all right with you. Fire it up. Oh, oh boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing Race 101. A little slow on the trigger oh. there, sorry. <laughs> That's quite all right. Um, all right, so we got a question from uh, Diana on Twitter asks, when do they film the confessionals on Amazing Race? Do they go back to the task site after the leg is over? It's, it's a good question, a little bit of uh, production trivia here. And I think sometimes it's more apparent than other times, but typically confessionals are filmed after teams have checked into the pit stop and i think it used to be they'd give them a little time to kind of relax and unwind but it seems like now they try to get them very fresh once they've once they've checked in and once the leg is over they sit them down in front of a scenic backdrop in the town where they are and then they start peppering them with questions and the reason that they talk in present tense and this is something you'll notice on survivor as well and i think even on big brother to some extent is the produ- the production team will ask you to speak about everything in present tense so they can slot it in to narrate the show as it's going along so instead of saying you know we went to the clue box and we found our clue and then we were asked to vote for a uh, for the u-turn they would have to say so we go to the do we go to the clue box we get our clue and it turns out we have to vote for somebody and some of the some of the racers are better at this than others and those are the ones you see get a little bit more of this confessional time hmm yeah, Robert, are you surprised that the Big Brother players weren't like, so I go to the Alps, <laughs> and I look at the crossbow. They might be. They maybe didn't make the cut. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Amazing Race fans through the years have also done a great job of almost, like, sifting through tone 
as well. You can almost tell if people are talking about the leg a bit sullenly as they're recapping mm-hmm. it in the present tense, you can tell that, okay, maybe they didn't do so well. Maybe they got eliminated. So if you watch enough Amazing Race and you know how these confessionals are filmed, sometimes you can even sort of spoil it for yourself how that team might have done in the leg before it even ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, okay, so next question from Noah S. says, now that we're almost halfway through the season... And Chris and Brett having another solid outing. Are they now the true dark horses of the season? I don't know if I call them dark horses. I mean, they uh, have been, uh, you know, at the top of the pack for a while now. Uh, Last week they had a a down week, but I, I wouldn't call them a dark horse by any stretch of the imagination. I think they have great potential to make the finale at this point, considering that, to your point, Rob, outside of that sixth-place finish, they've been pretty solid. What I worry about, and I don't want to keep going back to the running thing, but that final leg is almost always, we're going to send you to some American city, and you're going to run around it all day. Mm -hmm. And I worry, especially compared to a team like Tyler and Corey, who I feel like, given their consistency, is very likely to make the finale next to them. If that's the case, I do wonder how their chances stand in comparison to that. Yeah, I've heard uh, Brett has a podcast of his own where he frequently talks about Amazing Race stuff. And I feel like in the drunk tank. Yes, indeed. Um, And it's a very, very funny look at some of the stuff that's happening this season. And definitely after you finish listening to us, that's another good one to check out. And he's frequently made mention of the fact that they had almost no time to prepare. So Mm -hmm. some of these other teams, I think, had a little more time to do crossfit and whatnot and i think a lot of them were probably in better shape to begin with so i i do think that physical prowess is definitely a concern here it's not a deal breaker Mm -hmm. by any stretch but i think they are going to have i how many times are we going to say at this episode an uphill climb ahead of them (laughs) yeah Yeah. and i'll say that you know for for two guys again they just sort of got you know sarah don thomas and got asked on at the last second they're they've Made it uh, pretty darn that's, far. Into that's the a Sierra Don Thomas when you get asked at the last second. I mean, that's a, I don't know exactly uh, what else I would call it. I'm trying to think of other random alternates from reality shows, but that's the one that springs to mind for me. But they have promptly been rolling through the competition on a barrel at this point. <laughs> so I give a major props for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Just would you rather be Sierra Don Thomasing or Jamaling? Um. I don't know. I, Jamal's pretty cool, but Sierra Don Thomas gets to marry Joe Anglum. So. Oh, yeah. now you're going, you're backtracking, Jess. Yeah, just but in I think case he just asked could... her at the last second. Oh, <laughs> did he now? Yeah, well, that, that's uh, if she's Sierra Don Thomasing. Oh, that's yeah, true. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't get asked to be on this on this season. He was a little, I think he was a little busy from uh, May to June in 2018. <laughs> yeah, I think he might have been Fair. had other commitments. Okay. Yeah, I I forget when all of these tape dates line up. I'm glad you're here to keep me honest. Mm -hmm. All right. What other questions uh, do the listeners have? All right. Uh, Lindy wants to know, how will the fact that there are no more non-elimination legs left affect the end of the race? If the racers know that there is no, I think she means if the racers know there are no more non-elimination legs, how is that going to affect the rest of the race? Well, do you think that they'll end up playing it safer and we'll see uh, less people moving away from the pack, Jess? Um, I think that's certainly a concern. I, I think you don't want to do that thing where you take the gamble and you do the detour option that nobody else is doing in case it gives you a leg up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I wonder... 
if for Amazing Racers, if the, the temperament really does change if you know that there's non-elimination legs, just because, yeah, they can come, but they're also super random. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you necessarily want to bank your performance on, well, we might not do well now, but there might be a non-elimination at some point. I mean, I guess maybe it might, you know, screw with some people's heads in that they know, like, okay, this is really the case where all your safety nets are clipped. One mistake can really send you out, and maybe that'll sort of ramp up the tension a bit, but I'm not entirely sure. I guess I guess we'll see. I guess so. All right, so uh, Sean Carl has another question about the U-turn vote. Uh, he says, would you want to see the U-turn vote return in future seasons, and if so, would you rather have it sooner to create more animosity between teams early on or later when it more directly matters in the race? I thought it was fine. Just put, just give them a chalkboard. That's it. That's it. it like, uh, it was really close <laughs> to being great. Uh, it just was unfair the way that it was structured in terms of, you know, uh, like, uh, last mover advantage. I mean, it'd be interesting if they put it earlier on, because I think that's what we talked about in terms of putting the U turn on the second leg, which was pretty early. That, like, oh, this gives a bigger, better chance for teams to cause conflict and for that to sort of germinate over the course of the rest of the race, which it definitely did. Uh, so I mean I, I would be I would be fine putting a vote in the beginning as well because that's also a chance to make things more chaotic. I mean this one did end up being three to two to one to one. So combine that with the chalkboard aspect that Rob was bringing up, and you could really get some wacky pluralities going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it's almost akin to the Survivor seasons where they make everybody vote someone out first thing, like they did in Token Chains and like they did in the first Blood versus Water. Mm-hmm. It it kind of it puts people it pits people against each other right out of the gate. I think that's kind of fun. Mm. Okay, so let's see. Um, oh, I guess we might as well just go right into this because this is something we are going to have to talk about. Uh, John Tinkham says, "I'm just here to make the obvious. Would Steven accidentally shoot a different team's apple?" Question for the new <laughs> and alternate universe. All right, now this is a fun one because uh, well, the Great Wolf from America, yeah, actually sent me a theme song. I wasn't sure if you had it. Yes. Uh, Yes. For the Know It Alternate Universe. Uh, let's, let's take a listen as Will takes us into this new segment. We're in the Know It Alternate Universe. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I love it. It's super trippy. Yeah. It sounds right. like the regular Know It Alls theme played backwards. Um, is that what it is? I don't know if that's what it is, but that's what it makes me think of. Mm. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's talk about it. So let's let's start, I guess, where essentially the leg starts. Let's talk about this U-turn vote. So let's say, let's put Steven and Rob in there. Uh, and you know what? You could, we could say whether or not they have the, you know, the same relationships with these teams as they do outside of the race. But Jess, uh, I guess we'll put them towards the front of the pack. That's sort of like where anything goes. They're not necessarily conditionally voting. Who do you think Stephen and Rob of the teams left would throw a vote towards in the U-turn vote? Um, of the teams left, I think... Well, I feel like Rob would be afraid to vote for Rachel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think that happens. I think maybe if somebody else has already thrown Colin and Christy out there, they might end up piling on Colin and Christy and like kind of saying something nebulous about them being a threat, even though they know in their hearts they need to vote for a team that is worse than they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, first off, I think you guys, Steven especially, will completely overthink this. Mm-hmm. Like, I think yep. this is like the one chance where you're like, oh, I get to be strategic and I get to vote. And then it's just sort of like spirals out of control. It's like Nicole version of like playing 40 chess. Uh, <laughs> I, I, took, I mean, it's a good question because like you could say Rachel and Alyssa and Brett and Chris would be the strength vote, but those are both t- 
teams that you are close with. So I could see you in true Shane Powers fashion, as you said, Rob, make your vote disappear and throw a vote towards like Tyler and Corey or Victor and Nicole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, it would depend on where we were in the line. All right, let's say you were second. Let's say you just watched Rachel and Alyssa cast a vote for Colin and Christy. Who are you casting a vote for? I mean, I do think that the uh, move is probably like you want to be inconspicuous and, you know, you don't want to be the first team or the all you don't, you want to be hung out to dry with you. You're the only team to vote for somebody. So I think they probably uh, vote for Colin and Chrissy or Steven might whisper in my ear like Tyler and Corey <laughs> uh, and, and then be like, I don't I don't know what we're doing. Like, uh, oh, I guess, uh, I guess we'll go with uh, Colin and Christy. <laughs> and then, Steve, I can only imagine as you guys fold the flags, what sort of banter would come across there. Mm-hmm. How do you think you guys would do it folding flags, by the way? How, really how, good. How, I, 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 Steven strikes me as like a really amazing folder. Steven probably knows how to fold a real flag. Yeah. Like, you know how there are those rules to fold up the American flag in a triangle? I mm-hmm. bet Steven knows how to do that. I bet Steven's laundry is, like, pristine. <laughs> do you, but do you think Steven might distract you by going into the history of each and every one of the 26 states of Switzerland? Hmm. I think so. Yeah, I think there's like, oh, there's a story about Bluefinland. <laughs> uh, so in 1835. Uh, all right. So let's move into the detour here. Jess, are they making hay or are they dressing up a cow? Um, I think they go for the making hay because I think. Interesting. Well, I I think they understand this is something we've talked about on this podcast many times, and I think it would stick in Rob's head if Rob has listened to anything I've ever mm-hmm. said over the last seven years. I think he would remember that if you're given a choice between a task where you have to do a little bit of manual labor, but it's going to take you a fixed amount of time versus a task where you have to do a lot of details and people then have to judge whether you got those details correct. Plus, you have to work with an animal. I think Rob's going to take a look at that and say, you know, we're making hay. Mm-hmm. Plus, it reminds me of my podcast co-host. Yes, that, that this is a sign from the Amazing Race Gods that Haymaker Hattie. Yes, exactly. You know really how nice. you know how Aubrey went asked went speaking to Ty while she was looking for idols. This is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'd be speaking to you as you were out on the race course. Yeah. Uh, so who do you think, Rob, who would rake and who would be the one to actually swing the side of the two of you? Mm, and I think Steven's a, the raker. <laughs> Steven, he's a rake in general, so I think that makes sense. <laughs> yes, he's very <laughs> rakish. All right, Indeed. so let's go to the roadblock here. Is the rake <laughs> shooting or, Rob, are you taking the crossbow here? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I have to take the crossbow, right? Yeah, Hundo Rob's taking because, the crossbow. Yeah. Don't let Steven try to hit a target. Steven yeah. shooting things. Yeah, yeah. No, would it count for the other team if he did shoot someone else's apple? Do you think that's a great question? It's. I. I think it probably would. I think they would change the rules if that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. They would change it so that it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be amazing if he accidentally gave a first place victory to another team completely because he, he shot the wrong apple. Just I couldn't tell. How far away was the apple? Was it 15 feet away? It, it looked like it was they weren't far, far away. Mm-hmm. 
it was it was hard to tell, but I think I, it it didn't look like it was that hard. Of course, I could be jaded because I've watched so many years of Daryl Dixon expertly handing a crossbow. Yes. Um, I, I saw a couple of people on Twitter were noting that Rachel really didn't know how to handle the crossbow. Well, Did that's understandable. Like no. Chin? Yeah, it was, it was. She was holding it a little awkwardly. Okay. Well, it is a crossbow. I guess. <laughs> I guess she doesn't watch Walking Dead because I'd know how to hold a crossbow. <laughs> I wouldn't. I hope. I hope Norman Reedus has been doing it right all these years. Yes. Okay. Oh, I'm sure the internet would have definitely told him at this point if he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Uh, and Alyssa told me a fun story, actually, that apparently she had friends over last night to watch the episode. And after the after the episode, they're like, oh, yeah, like we two of them were like, oh, yeah, we have crossbows. We could teach you how to do it. And she's like, could you have told me that a year ago when I needed to know that information? Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, friends, I, I guess when you're if you're going on the amazing race. Scout out all your Becca-like friends who have all these weird talents and just learn a little bit from them. You never know when it'll come in handy. Yeah. So it's, you know, you don't need friends like that, that like after you lose on the Amazing Race, like, oh, why did you tell us? We could have shown you how to do do that. (gasps) Yeah, that's the worst friends. I also think you have have like precognitive powers and are like, oh, yeah. I mean, you obviously knew you were going to be doing this on the Amazing Race. There's a crossbow task every Mm -hmm. season. Yeah. They're the same people that ask you, like, oh, so after they turn the cameras off, they feed you on Survivor, right? Mm hmm. Don't they give you a book of things to study when you go on Jeopardy? Mm hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. La- last uh, stop here on the Know It alternate universe. Speaking of stops, let's talk about the pit stop. Rom and Steven are faced at a signpost with a choice. Do they to go the uphill climb or do they go for the funicular? I have to hope that they would do the uphill climb, but... Did we go on the funicular last week in the know-it-all universe? We had a good experience the on the last week's funicular. <laughs> or a bad one. Yeah. And you, and you are big funicular, after all. I would be betraying <laughs> yes. your own name. <laughs> the branding. That would be what my shirt would say on The Amazing Race. Big funicular. <laughs> big funicular. Oh, dear. Well, that would be... You know, you remember for a while when you guys were questioning, like, what is on Rachel and Brendan's shirts during Amazing Race 24? This is even more enigmatic. Mm-hmm. This is better than survive race get, get paper. Yeah. All right, let's let's start. Brian Malloy, get on big funicular RHAP shirts. We can put them out by the end of the season. I will. I will. I will personally buy three of those and make my family wear them. <laughs> okay, great. And I won't tell them let's why. Yeah. Listeners, hold us to this. Yeah. Excellent. All right. All right, that's that's all I have for the Noah alternate universe, but we will see what's in store for them next week in Croatia. Indeed, they're going to be going to, um, I believe they're going to like Cersei Lannister territory. Mm-hmm. Oh no! <laughs> it should be interesting. Speaking of, uh, they did the crossbows one thing too early. Then they could have used the giant ones. Uh, it'll be interesting because I'm trying to remember. What, have we been to Croatia? Yeah, we, we have. Probably have been to Croatia before, right? But it feels like yeah. it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, what I'm super excited 15, about, though, one of those is, middle ones. Yeah, what I'm excited about, though, Jess, uh, we have airport drama. This is crazy. Mm. In this season of The Amazing Race, I never thought. That's a throwback for sure. Like, I didn't even know they were even going to airports anymore. I thought they were just, like, getting picked up and put on charter flights. <laughs> 
All right. So uh, a lot to do next week, although it's going to be a different look on the Amazing Race podcast next week because both Jess and I are traveling. Start the rumors for Jess and I appearing on an upcoming edition of the Amazing Race. It's true. Every time I go on vacation, that's what I want people to talk about. Yes. And so uh, Jess and I both have uh, a vacation next week. Uh, But Mike... What will we expect on the Amazing Race recap next week? So I will be joined by a new partner. We're doing a partner swap in the honor of Season 30 for this uh, next episode of the Amazing Race. But it'll be a familiar face slash voice for those of you that have been listening to Amazing Race coverage for the years, especially of the international editions. I'm bringing in Jess's partner in crime for the Amazing Race Canada and great fan of the podcast, Dan Heaton. On. Uh, you might remember Dan came on with Jess and I to do our preseason draft and breakdown of the teams for this season. It'll be super interesting to get his thoughts on, you know, his teams so far, the teams in general so far. And there's there's sure to be a lot to talk about with Croatia as yet another team falls by the wayside. So it's going to be Dan and I next week. And I'm, I'm super excited to talk with him about this season of the Amazing Race. Okay. All right. So we will also have the exit interview uh, for you as well. And next week, uh, Taryn scheduled to handle the exit interview duties for next week. Jess, uh, what should people check out that you're up to? Uh, well, I have an I have an article that dropped on primetimer.com just today. Um, as you guys may be aware, the uh, new season of Black Mirror has hit Netflix Um it's only three episodes, and so I decided to take the time to look at every episode of Black Mirror and sort them according to how depressing and bleak they are. Ooh. So, mm, I bleak, you're bleak. On bleak. Exactly. It was, it's definitely on bleak. Um, and so you can go check that out on primetimer.com, and that was really a lot of fun to revisit some of my old favorites, as well as mainline three episodes of Black Mirror in 12 hours uh, during a work day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are the new episodes bleak? I heard they're not that bleak. They're not that bleak. Uh, in fact, one of them I would say is about as bleak as San Junipero. And mm-hmm. the other two have their moments of bleakness, but you'll be able to see where I ranked them all. Is it spoiler free? It is spoilerific, in fact. So oh, okay. maybe... Maybe watch some Black Mirror and then dive in. Um, and then I hope the three of us will have a chance uh, yeah. after we're all back from vacation to talk about it because I have a lot of opinions about the new season. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'm looking forward to that. I haven't seen the episodes yet, but I am looking forward to uh, getting a chance to uh, talk about them uh, with you all uh, once everybody has a chance to watch them. All right. Mike, what are you up to? So we have finally finished this season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Myself, Brent Wolgamot, and Liana Boris did a nice uh, meaty two-hour podcast talking about the reunion, the finale, and just talking about the season in general, which was a lot of fun. Just went up recently in your feeds. Survivor South Africa, last week we did a recap with Tevin from Survivor South Africa Season 6, Episode 3. Rob was a big episode for your girl Tanya. Uh, I haven't watched the fourth episode yet, but it's going to be Shannon and I going a bit solo, solo as a duo this week. It's it's the swap 
So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of chaos ruminating throughout, and I uh, cannot wait to talk about it with Shannon this week. All right. And be on the lookout for more Survivor interviews uh, coming from me. I posted my interview with Aubrey Bracco. She came to the house. She wanted to do something different and something uh, very personal about her experience. And so I said, okay, let's uh, blow up the whole format. Let's get out of the studio. We went out in the backyard and recorded a podcast, which was very fun to do. And it's a very... a very uh, interesting podcast where uh, you know Aubrey was very vulnerable, uh, spoke frankly about her experience, and I hope uh, people have enjoyed uh, that one. Whether you uh, come down uh, feeling uh, one way or the other about Aubrey, uh, I just hope you enjoy listening to uh, that kind of conversation on the podcast. Also, I am going to have uh, my conversation. David Wright was here last night, so I got the chance to talk to David Wright a bit as well, and. I'm going to post that as well uh, in your podcast feed at the time you're listening to this. There you go. Awesome. Good stuff. Yes. And I'm scheduled to talk very soon to Reem Daly as well. Oh, boy. Oh. The interview, I think. No offense to any Dude. of the great deep dives yeah. you've been doing, but I think this is the one that everyone has been waiting for. Listen, big funicular. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. You have, you have to ask Reem if she watches The Amazing Race. Dude. I'm like, don't call me. Well, because Survivor's, Survivor's her, uh, you know, don't talk to me, I'm watching yeah. show. I wonder what Amazing Race is for her. I don't know. Okay. Can I go on the Amazing Race with Reem? Sure. Uh, I'll take Reem on uh, any TV show. Yeah, with any partner in any context. Yes. Like, she could... She can take over for Jeff Probst and host Survivor as far as I'm concerned. That'd be great. That'd be, that'd be uh, really a, a logical person to succeed Jeff Probst if he steps down. Uh, I love it. Okay. Thank you so much, Scott St. Pierre, for putting this all together. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.